about it, aren't you? Yeah. You mean you actually never want him to get out? Never. 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 Then why are we taking him up to Hardin County if you're just gonna Because walk that is the law. Here we are. Hello. I'm Russell. I'm Kevin. Since when did they let them wander around? And this is my movies better. Pull up to the main gate. Shouldn't we put... Go on, move. Podcast where we pin three movies up against each other. A movie that I pick. A movie that I pick? And a movie that you pick with a new theme every week. And this week's theme as the last episode of Hell Month in our Halloween edition, we will be tackling slasher films. We get into Halloween Child's Play, and Scream. Halloween Havoc. Yeah, so we have like five titles for this one. Anyways, uh, we will talk about some crazy movie news, a lot of Marvel-related stuff, and we will uh, address some things from the group. And as always, we hope you enjoy. to start. Look, you have been picking houses all night long. Now it's my turn. Whatever house you pick better be good. Good? You want good? And I want that. Hi, kids. Wow, it's Tony Schiavone. Hey, shouldn't you be at the pay-per-view? Um. What's that smell, Tony? It's my wife. She's baking. Cookies. Would you kids like to have some? What kind are they? Only a kind a mother could make. Why don't you come inside and have a bite of her cookies? Halloween Havoc! Halloween Havoc! Slim Jim! Halloween Havoc! It's time for Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc! So I just had a piece of news that you guys might find interesting. Uh, apparently, NASA found a weird rectangular iceberg yeah. in <laughs> Antarctica. That. Yeah. And about a week later, a man stabbed one of his colleagues at a research station <laughs> in Antarctica. So guys, be careful. The thing might be out there. I just wanted to bring mm-hmm. that up. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> it's going first full circle. What's happening is 
this really happened. Yep. And then what ends up going on is that aliens uh, will introduce time travel to us. And someone's going to go, oh, this will make a great movie after we defeat the aliens. And then they traveled back in time and they knew Kurt Russell was great. So they said, you know who would make this movie great? (laughs) That's it. Full circle. (laughs) All right. So in some awesome movie news, this is my favorite bit of movie news. Oh, yeah. Tyler Perry is retiring Medea. Oh, I thought you were in 2019. I thought you were going to say retiring, period, full stop. I mean, I'd be really stoked on that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't, I haven't watched a lot of his dramatic stuff, so I can't really say uh, whether or not I like it or not. It's pretty It's bad. not for me. I know the critics don't like it, and I can't stand yeah. the Medea movies. True Confessions of a Marriage Counselor is one of the worst movies, but it's like bad good. It's like laugh out loud bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I haven't, I haven't seen many more of his movies, but they're not my, not my bag baby so (laughs) my movie is the 1988 mystery slash slasher film child's play it is available on hulu for free but if not it is available on youtube for three dollars amazon for three dollars google play for three dollars and voodoo for three dollars Maybe you were pulling my chain. But not now. Uh-uh. Not now. Look, George. Some child left their doll in the elevator. Leave it alone. Ugly doll. Fuck you. Child's Play stars Brad Dourif as Chucky, as, you know, Charles, the serial killer, and uh, the voice of Chucky. Alex Vincent as Andy Barclay, and Catherine Hicks as his mother, Karen. Um, And as I was looking at this, we just found out a funny uh, fact. If you know Eden Gross, or I think it's pronounced Eden Gross, but Gross sounds better. Um, 
as the douchebag in 10 Things I Hate About You, the actor that went on to start kind of like a cult type thing, uh, he does the voice of the good guy dolls yep. when he was a little kid. Pretty cool. Yeah. So what did you think about this movie? I thought it was pretty good. Um, it also starred another actor that I that I think is pretty good, and that's uh, Chris Sarandon. He played the detective. He's not bad in this. Um, uh, the the mother is the act that actress is the woman from Seventh Heaven. She plays the mom on Seventh Heaven, mm-hmm. or played the mom, I should say. Um, and Brad Dourif, who you might know better as Grimma Wormtongue from the Lord of the Rings movies. He was the advisor. To the the king of Rohan, or keyword there is might because I feel like you, most people you know, know him as Chucky. <laughs> you'd know him if you saw him. Well, you, yeah, he's. I know the, what he looks like. Yeah, and I, I know that he's in the movies, but that's definitely where you would know him more yeah. is Chucky. I think so. Uh, this movie is a little bit different, but it um, from the other two we're going to talk about later tonight. But it's got a really interesting premise and i think out of all of the chucky movies this is probably the best one i think it's definitely my favorite one um it's like it's like just self-referential enough that it understands the joke that it's making right and it's just scary enough that it works but it's never really that frightening to me i think the other two movies definitely are a little bit scarier um but this movie has a lot of cool stuff in it, and I love the practical effects. The animatronics and costumes for the doll are pretty good. Mm-hmm. And overall, it's it's a fun movie to watch. Um, right off the bat, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting in the uh, first scene, and it comes back later, you notice that they're selling like machine guns for these Chucky doll, or well, these good guy dolls. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered if that was like a some sort of a reference it's one of the first things you see before you actually see the dolls like going through a toy store and the camera like lingers on like all these good guy machine guns um but yeah it's basically a story about your typical 80s latchkey kid who's got a single mom who works late hours and Mm -hmm. uh she doesn't have a lot of money so um she buys a chucky doll on the street from a peddler which and they say that word like 10 times in that scene they keep saying peddler the peddler the peddler and i was just like oh my god yeah. is that really what they call like a yeah, homeless guy selling dolls <laughs> uh this stems from the opening scene where the detective uh shoots correct charles ray mm-hmm. um who is a murderer criminal a serial killer bad and bad guy and voodoo practitioner yeah apparently. and uh he he does like a spell with his hand on a chucky doll a child's what is it? Good guy doll. Good guy, yeah. It's not called a Chucky doll. It's just one doll named Chucky. Exactly. Um, and that's him mimicking the voice. There isn't actually a Chucky. He just named right. it Chucky because right. his name is Chucky. Um, he puts his hand on the, the doll and, and summons some kind of voodoo spell and the clouds above it are super yep. 80s special effects. And uh, so the detective believes he killed Charles right. Ray when he shoots him. Right, but instead his soul went into this doll. And I think the doll, it was actually based on a real toy that was like my, uh, somebody's going to kill me for this in the group, but it was like my little buddies or something like that. And Mm. they were like these, like, you know, almost child-sized dolls and that were for boys and had similar thing. It was like a friend doll. Um, And I don't know if it's, I think it might have even talked or something like that. It was definitely based on a real toy. Um, 
But yeah, so this movie's pretty pretty interesting. So like uh, we mentioned before, it's got voodoo in it. Um, and, and that's one of the kind of the things I thought was kind of silly about it. I mean, obviously it explains why it happened, but or like why he could like put his soul in the doll or whatever the fuck he did. But uh, the whole scene where he goes and like confronts the voodoo guy is kind of, kind of silly. Um, I really liked, like I said before, the animatronics and what they did. Let me address some of the things you're you're just flying through. I'm just trying to like, like, you know, get through like the basics of, you know, how I felt (laughs) about it. And then you can, you know, we can elaborate more, but go ahead. On on the voodoo doll thing. Uh, he ends up using a voodoo doll to break limbs on the guy who taught him voodoo. Mm-hmm. If he could do that, why doesn't he just do that? To, just do like, that to everybody. Yeah, if seriously. you have the power to make a voodoo doll, just do that to your victims. You can, yeah. like, What do you mean? Well, like, also, I kind of thought it was weird. It was like, did he make a voodoo doll? Or did that guy, was that guy dumb enough to have a voodoo doll of himself? Or like, because... Like, yeah, I think he made it himself, and, and it was like a protect himself kind of thing like people make voodoo dolls for themselves right to right, protect right. Them with spells okay. of like luck and and right. wealth like rub and, its belly <laughs> yeah weird stupid stuff like that so and they have a stomach ache or something yeah. yeah um okay so uh yeah he that was also interesting because uh that's like then the like uh mom and the detective show up and like find out a key piece of information because of it it was really like Wait, I just felt like it was more important to the film than it actually needed to be. You know, like it didn't, re- it wasn't really necessary to learn all that backstory about, you know, his knowledge of, of voodoo. It was yeah. like, I, I almost, because I, I honestly forgot about that because I haven't seen this film in a long time. And I always just kind of remembered it that it just happened. And it would, it was like one of those 80s things, like the Teenage yeah. Mutant Ninja Turtles, where they just, did something just happened and he got turned into Chucky and he was like trapped there. Yeah. An easy explanation that, that they could have used or, or way to do it was instead of having that happen later on, <clears throat> you could have had during the cops chasing him down in the toy store right. uh, scene, have other detectives going through his stuff and finding books on voodoo and like soul transference. And right. that's it. And it would have just set up like he knows what he's doing. Right. Exactly. There you go. Never have to touch on that again. I'm sure for a fact, this is my opinion. I could be wrong. They're just going to do that in the remake that's coming. Yeah, probably. I don't know if he's going to be playing Chucky either in this new one. But I don't, they are. There is a new he, one, a whole new yeah, doll. Yeah, he has played Chucky, I'm pretty sure, in every single yeah. one of them. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they bring him back. His real-life daughter plays the lead yep. victim in the newer two films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's actually married to the dude who played the little boy in this movie, who's been in a bunch Andy. of them. Yep. What? Yep. He's still in the movies. He he's now, in like the last yeah. one and a half. And he's been involved, he's been more, I think he like is directing or di- or like co-directed the last one or something. Curse or whatever? Yeah. Or I, re- cult? I read something about it because, but yeah, so she's married. <laughs> she could, I mean, I mean you're talking about the remake. Maybe it might be. It, yeah. it might have been what I read. But I know for a fact Brad Dourif's daughter is married to the, the guy who played the so little boy. Cool. Yeah, It would be so awesome if it went full circle right. and uh, he ended up being Chucky. Andy playing Chucky. Right. One sec. I just want to... I forgot to fucking time us. That's I what I was... That's why about, I went... Fuck. I say we we're about like 10. But anyway. Um, so one of the other scenes I love in this movie. So basically Chucky fucking... 
starts talking to Andy and, and, you know, everybody treats it like a little kid saying that their doll's talking. They're like, okay, whatever. Um, and then there's this scene where the mom has to work late and uh, his aunt or her friend who calls he calls her auntie, his aunt. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So it's, yeah. a, it's her best friend. Um, she comes over to take care of him and Chucky wants to watch the fucking news and the mom, uh, the aunt is like, go to bed. And then the doll starts to like stalk her because he wants to fucking watch the news because it's talking about one of the guys he wants to kill. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, the the part of the scene I love is so this leads to Chucky knocking her out of a window, right? Yes. A window that she falls out of backwards. It cuts to outside. Now she's facing forward, but then turns to land on her back. I'm assuming, you know, on in that she probably landed on something safe, obviously. But... It, like, made no sense the way they shot it. It was like she goes out backwards, turns around in midair, and then turns back around. It's like, why shouldn't they just shoot it, yeah. like, in one, you know, cut? Um, and uh, I also wrote down in my notes at this point, uh, I like how in this movie, Chucky, I mean, this, this, this kid Andy just does whatever Chucky tells him to do. Yeah, he, like read that he wants a friend really bad that he doesn't want to lose Chucky as a friend. So mm-hmm. even like mean and nasty or bad things that he tells him to do, the kid just does it. Right. Um, and so I, I there it almost felt like there was a little bit of like because you know eventually they like bring the kid in like they think he killed the aunt and like or the because he's whatever, wearing the yeah. good guy shoes. Right. Um. And obviously nobody wants to or will believe that it's a doll doing this. Um, and so I think there was a bit of an angle of like, you know, killer kids, which is a big thing at the time, uh, in like the news, I think they brought, you know, a bit of that into it. Um, and I also loved how I mentioned this to you earlier. There's a scene where they're like chasing down the doll and the kid is like trying to find the doll too. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he hears all these gunshots. I think it's like... I don't remember what is it going on in the movie. But anyway, here's all these gunshots. And the kid fucking starts running towards the gunshots. Because he's a little badass. Exactly. It's like, good his, job, his Andy. Big, uh, we'll wait on mentioning this, but when he gets to the point where the confrontation finally between Chucky and Andy. Badass the quote. Showdown. The greatest quote Oh yeah, a kid has ever spoken being a badass. Um, there's also a lot more explosions in this movie than the other two. This movie was more like big budget action movie. I know Scream had a pretty high, uh, was, it was made for a lot of money, but this, this movie was made for way more money than Halloween was. And it was dev, you could tell it was definitely more of a Hollywood movie. Yeah. And, uh, but it did really, really well. It was another film that like, it went over like 200 mil or something at the box office. Like it did really well. I think it's it's like it's like not because I I like to say like some movies are good bad. It's definitely not good bad, but it's kind of in the same vein. It's like kind of silly and goofy, not in a comedy way though. That I think that that actually helps the film. Like the goofiness of it makes it almost a little bit scarier. Like the fact that Chucky is this psychotic doll, you know, or the psychotic human inside the doll, really like. It, it works like the right. movie is kind of boring until it really kicks in to Chucky. And then it, then I think it gets really good. So. Yeah. As soon as he just opens his mouth and talks, I was like, this was, yeah, yeah. now I get it. Um, I would say it's also very self-aware in the, the vein of like how scream is when we get to that, 
Totally. Um, but yeah, so the the detective, he is a doll. He figures that out with the mom. This is really happening. They're trying to kill him. They're having right. a lot of fights. Well, because they, they find out because uh, she, that's actually another great scene. She picks up the box after and the batteries fall on the ground and she realizes yeah. that. But he, the detective doesn't know this. Right. The detective, what is what happens when the detective figures it out? Well, because she goes and tells him and mm-hmm. he's like, still like, go home, go to bed. And then he's kind of intrigued. He like goes and grabs the file and the doll attacks him. And like he like flips his car and shit, and remember he's like in the car, like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's then he like goes and he's like, all right, I believe you. And she's like, what happened? He's like, well, he just attacked me. So yeah. <laughs> um. So let's get to the point of the the fight. Yes. Uh, they're having a struggle with him. He's somehow it's a doll. That's my favorite thing about Chucky. How easy it is when he doesn't have any weapons to just grab him by the top of his head, or just like kick him. Across the well, room. you could do that, but he'll just keep running at you, and he'll bite yeah. you, and he'll grab something right, sharp, right, and right. stand, he'll throw something at you, or trip you, or whatever, run and hide. Right. But when he's right in front of you, especially when he was like a burn victim and he was being all sketchy, dude, all you gotta do is grab him by the top of his head. I could palm him. I could right. pick up Chucky by the top of his yeah, head. Yeah, like that then classic just cartoon use your left thing. Hand if you're a righty, pick him up, and then just punch his face right. in for as long as you need till till his face is crushed. He's well, a half it, doll. It seemed like he had some sort of, like, un, maybe, like, unnatural strength or something. Like, like it wasn't like he was super strong, but he was, like, as strong as a man or something. I don't know. But, like, it kind of seemed like that. There was a few times he did stuff that was, like, like a little bit. Like, like even the scene where she's going to throw him in the fire and then he, like, comes to life for the first time in front of her. He, like, straight up punches her in the face. And she, yeah. You know, like, so he definitely has some, like, some strength. Um, um, so I would say, uh, let's get to the, he throws him into the fire yes. and shuts the thing. And Andy is looking at him, like struggling to hold the thing shut. And, and Chucky goes, come on, Andy, we're best friends to the end. And Andy looks at him and he goes, this is the end friend. Dun, dun, <laughs> I was like, dun. oh shit. Exactly. And then yep. he sets him on fire. <laughs> Burns his ass. But he doesn't die. He's still, yeah, he's still he's alive. Chucky. Well, because, yeah, then the fucking other detective shows up, and they're like, it was the doll. And he's like, you guys crazy. And then, of course, the doll attacks him. And he's they, headless, and yep. the doll is attacking him while the head is yelling instructions. <laughs> yep. And they shoot it a whole bunch of times, and now Chucky's finally dead, dead, or so we think. His mm. soul leaves the doll, and honestly, I tried to watch two, but uh, it was it was not available to me, so I just I gave up on that for now. What the fuck? How, how does he come back? Do you rem- Do you know or remember? Um, yeah, in they the they film? refurbish the doll. Oh, okay. They like scrape Some, it off to like clear yeah. it up. Uh, the mom is in an insane ward. They don't show her or anything like that, but they just dress. That's where she's gone, and he is being put up for adoption. So he's moving with his foster family and his foster sister, and um, they refurbish the doll. The, the doll. Uh, is taken away by the assistant to the guy who runs the toy company and the doll makes him go to Andy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and the, yep. and, and the, the only thing I didn't like about that whole, if, if they didn't, honestly, I feel like Child's Play 2 is overall has like a lot of more memorable moments. Like when I was a kid, the, I remember more so the toy factory. I remember him being yeah. melted into a pile of plastic with a bunch of limbs shoved into him yeah, and on, his head exploded. Honestly, I thought that was this movie until yeah. I watched the first one. I was like, oh, yeah. And the sister and everything. Like, I remember, I remember, I yep. thought it was just his sister. And yeah, uh, 
cousin Bruce pointed out, she looks exactly like Heath Ledger. Yeah. Just yeah. now that that's in your head, if you see Child's Play 2. Exactly. Uh, then Child's Play 3 is when it's like the one movie where the kid that plays Andy in all the movies didn't play Andy. Mm, yep. It was the military school one. Yeah. It's that like one was the, pretty whack. Um, the, but it yeah. had a lot of the best kills. Oh, yeah, for yeah sure. definitely. Um, so and yeah. then, yeah, that's the series went on, and now there's like seven films, I think, in total. Something crazy. Yeah, but the remake is coming out. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So, yeah. Moving on from Child's Play. What's wrong? Gun jam? to the end remember this is the end friend Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy 3, mm-hmm. Billboard demands Disney rehire James Gunn. Uh, yeah, not Billboard, the you know website and magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new billboard has appeared near Disneyland asking for James Gunn to be rehired for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. One of the biggest shakeups in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe came a few months ago when Disney fired Gunn as the director of the third Guardians of the Galaxy film. The decision was made after some old and controversial tweets resurfaced resurfaced as part of a right-wing political attack. Disney wasted no time in making a decision to move on, but the weeks that have followed kept this topic at the forefront of many discussions. Two thoughts on this. Um, Disney has a a thing they have to protect. You know what I mean? I get it. Like, I understand what they're doing. I get the jokes are old, and I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have made that choice to, Mm. to fire him. But they, it's out there enough that people will be outraged if they bring right. it back. Uh, with that said, uh, uh, what's his name? Taika Waititi. I mean, he did Ragnarok. We've mm-hmm. been over this. We've talked in the last episode. Yep. He'll do just fine. Put him in that role. He's tackled yeah. something extremely similar. And if I may say so myself, is a lot fucking funnier than James Gunn. Uh, a lot mm. of James Gunn's jokes fall flat in these movies and the jokes that make you laugh when you go back and see anything guardians related it's usually an improvised scene on behalf of the actors that stayed in the tapes well i really think that people put too much stock into what he does as a director uh it's like all of a sudden i mean and granted this come from somebody who thinks that those are the two best marvel movies 
it's not like he's some he's not some savant. It's not like we're talking about he's like Stanley Kubrick and we can never get anybody else to replace him. No. It's you yeah. can find someone who can do the job. You have the cast, you have the people. I know you mentioned last week too that apparently uh Dave Bautista has been saying that he's not he doesn't want to come back if Gunn isn't attached, but it just it seems like it seems like they did the right thing. I I don't really I mean I actually don't really know where I stand on this debate so like I don't even want to get into the whole political side of it and shit but I just think that they're overestimating what he is as a director. No offense to him, he's a fine director. Yeah, I mean I liked his uh input with the soundtrack is pretty much his doing. Yep. Um the other thing I said cuz it was two things that I I mm-hmm. had to address on this is the second is he's doing Suicide Squad too, likely. Yeah. I mean then we're fine. Like, if you really need to see James Gunn stuff, that's a good cast of characters, even though the first one was dog shit. That put him behind the helm, and, and if it's really about him and not the characters, well, then there's your test yeah, right it'll, there. that'll prove it. That'll that'll show Disney, if, yep. if, you know what I mean? And granted, I, I believe that DC has a better story universe, right? I just think that the movies have not been very good. I don't know if they have better stories. You mean like they have better characters? The characters and yeah, the yeah, comics, yeah. So everything is above when I, and When beyond. you said story universe, I think you meant like the story of that they had laid out. I was would say no. But yes, I agree. Yeah. They have... Above they, and beyond, I think they're better than, than Marvel as far as that yeah, goes. They have Superman and Batman right off the bat. Yeah. They should just be doing way better. But they're so, not. So. I, I honestly, like I'm a big fan. Like wrestling does it all the time. We, we're mm-hmm. pro wrestling nerds. Uh, just hit a reset button. Yep. If there's too much, it's just too clusterfucked, and everything is silly. Spider-Man, you know, gets recasted. It's because it's a new cinematic universe. It's okay that it's fine. It's a whole other world. But uh, DC wants to recast characters within the exact same universe, with like Ben Affleck leaving as Batman. Yep. And Henry uh, Cahill. Is it Cahill? I thought it was yeah. Cavill. Oh, is it Cavill? Cavill. Yeah. 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 Uh, Whatever. He is is going as Superman. You want to replace? Clark Kent with another actor it's stupid like it, it it's already weird enough even though Edward Norton's Hulk movie didn't do very good it's it's weird enough that Mark Ruffalo who's better by the way uh replaced and then Don Cheadle played War Machine and you know what I mean like that's already weird enough but those are such minor characters you literally built an entire cinematic universe around these two right. specific characters with Batman versus Superman and you could reboot it and just be like, well, we still have Gal Gadot and fucking the dude from Game of Thrones to play Aquaman and just keep the same actors, just reboot the universe. You, you know? easily have something happen, sure, but I disagree with that. That's my whole no, point. I don't even I mean like start have something over. happen. No Gal Gadot, no, none of that. If you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of your two main characters, that's fine. Kill them off. Build a, a whole world around that. Uh, maybe do some kind of quantum realm storyline right. like MCU where you can bring in characters from another place. But I don't think that's smart. I think, well, this obviously failed. Because half of them, not half, almost all except for Wonder Woman did not, no. did not do very well. Like, I and, mean, financially, and, yes, but like critics right. shit all over them. And Wonder Woman good. really wasn't. I don't think that could have felt. No, so. and, and the thing is, is that uh, if it's people get mad when you say that because they go, "Oh, it's because you don't like it's like feminism," and I'm like, uh, "No, because I'm really fucking stoked about Captain Marvel. 
Uh, I think that Black Widow has a good enough storyline that she could get a series on Netflix. Right. I don't know about the movie they want to put her in. We're talk- but it's like- tonight we're talking about the screen queen of all time, Jamie Lee Curtis, who's my one of my favorite actresses. It has yeah. nothing to do with not it liking a wasn't... woman about a movie about women. Yeah, it was overrated in that sense. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. Is they they made it out to be like it's this great film because it's it's the first big blockbuster with a female lead for a superhero and i'm like that's that's not yeah if captain marvel was out first you would have shit on one woman yeah. that's my personal opinion and it wasn't it wasn't black panther for women yeah. you know what i mean Which like they're black trying panther to make it out to be, and it's not black right. Panther's a fucking fantastic well, movie it also did something real with having like a almost 100 percent african-american or african cast you know yeah. what i mean like that was a statement about this movie can do well and you don't need white people yeah. in the starring roles or even in the, in the supporting roles. That's not what they did yeah. with Wonder Woman. She was Whereas just in like it. Wonder Woman, they, they even, they, they softened her up to follow suit with like every female led movie where there's a romantic interest. Yeah. It wasn't like she was like super like, I don't need you. She very much needed this character to get through the movie. And it's Chris Pine. Mm. No, that was stupid. Mm. I mean, come on. That's. Whatever. Anyways, we're going way off track yeah. on this. Um, but I will say, uh, if James Gunn uh, makes that movie good, then I'm not going to be angry. About it. I mean, that's I, I would like for them to, because I appreciate the DC comic book universe, mm-hmm. and I appreciate a lot of the older DC films. So I hope it does work out. But I don't think that Disney needs to, you know, bend the knee for you people that are so upset about this joke. Like, I... Am not like he was younger. It was a while ago. It was in bad taste. Everybody was making those stupid types of jokes at the time. We didn't live in this universe where it is what it is. You know what I mean? Well, it's um, he also... didn't also say like that pedophilia is a good thing. Like nothing weird like that. He just made a very terrible right. joke. It's also so... a thing where when you like it's it's like the I hate this terminology, but it's the slippery slope. So like people. You know, everything you have ever done can get called out now. And it just, it starts with the famous people because everybody's watching them, you know. But it's like, I I still, I don't like the joke. I think, I understand it. But, like, I also feel like it's a little bit like, uh, all right, so what? Have them apologize and fucking move on. Who Like, I don't think someone should lose their job for that. You know, unless right. it's like if it's if it's like he made the joke today, that's a little different. Yeah, maybe they should lose their job. But like because someone made a joke that they didn't lose their job for ten years ago when they made it, now they're you know they nobody it wasn't something that was big enough to look up. He also brought up in the thing that it was a right wing attack, so it was like people on the alt right trying to like get them to not do it, so they could be like, oh look, it's a liberal and you didn't do it to the liberal, you know. So I'm yeah. glad they did it because they said no, we'll do it to anybody. Who does that shit? But I'm also kind of like that's not. I don't really feel like that he should. He shouldn't be directing this movie because of that. I definitely wouldn't be spending money on a fucking billboard to try to do. No, that's my personal feeling. It's it's over. He's not doing it. They're not going to bring him back for any reason. So your billboard was a waste. Whoever put that up. Yeah. So on on behalf of this DC versus Marvel yeah. argument, this is actually pretty cool. More in movie news. Uh, Marvel's Kevin Feige, the guy, pretty much. Like at the helm of all this Marvel Cinematic Universe shit, uh, is set to receive the first ever Creative Visionary Award. What's that from? Who? Uh, it says here, Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige has been chosen to win the first ever Marty and Leah Sklar Creative Visionary Award 
Feige got his start in Hollywood as an intern with Richard and Lauren Schuler Donner. He impressed them enough to become a producer on the first X-Men film before serving as a co-producer or executive producer on every Marvel live-action movie that followed. Right. Prior to being named president of Marvel Studios in 2007, in the 11 years since, Feige has created the world's biggest connected universe with the MCU, uh, which officially began in 2008 with the release of Iron Man and was quickly followed by The Incredible Hulk. After the success, Disney purchased Marvel Entertainment and helped take the MCU to new heights as Phase 1 continued. They're now in the middle of wrapping up Phase 3 and will do so next year with Avengers 4. He was recently ranked as the sixth most powerful person in entertainment and will now be recognized in a new way. Um, but, like, yeah, that's what I mean. Is, Who's, like, giving uh, it's just, like, a pat on the back award from, oh, like, I'm not done. Screen uh, Actors Guild? <laughs> it was Variety that reported that he's been selected as the recipient of the first ever Marty, Marty and Leah Sklar Creative Visionary Award. Ryman Arts founder Marty Sklar, Ryman Arts board president Phil Hatema shared this reasoning behind choosing Feige in the statement below. So that's what it is. That's that's who's doing it, who I already said. Okay. Um, so while we're on the subject of the end of Phase 3 and talking about Avengers 4, uh, more movie news related. I know there's a lot of Marvel talk, but that, that's what's in the news right They've now. Taken o- Disney's taking over Hollywood. Yep. So. Um, the Avengers 4 trailer is rumored to be released in November. So this upcoming 30-something days. And I am clamoring. <laughs> I, I always get excited for the first trailer. Uh, we've talked about this before. I really, really hope um, they don't give too much away like they did before. The yeah. teaser doesn't give away much, usually. It just gets you excited. But then they put out like seven different trailers where you could probably make the entire plot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, for the most part. Um, well, and especially a movie like this because they make like character trailers for like every character in the fucking movie. And it's like yep. the whole Marvel Universe. Uh, I'll read this again. This is all brought to you by Screen Rant, by the way. It's available on Screen yeah. Rant. You can read these articles. Uh, the first Avengers 4 trailer launching in November makes a lot of sense, especially since Marvel debuted the first trailer for Infinity War on November 29th in 2017 after an incredibly successful marketing campaign that helped the epic team up earn over two billion at the box office it would be understandable why they'd stick with a similar schedule and this is the only reason i'm reading this it is also expected that the first trailer for spider-man far from home will arrive before the year ends so the avenger for <clears throat> avengers 4 trailer will need to arrive before then at least mm. interesting yep I've got a piece of movie news I want to throw in out there because I've mentioned it a couple times now and um, really sad. We have a um, another uh, casualty of the streaming wars that is con- currently going on right now. Uh, filmstruck.com is no more. Um, it was an awesome site where you could get a lot of films from the Criterion Collection and Turner Classic Movies. Um, and it was like, you know, monthly streaming sort of thing and it's gone and uh so if you didn't sign up for it yet you can't so if you're listening to me saying in an episode or a short that uh you should go check it out on filmstruck which you did yeah I a did. bunch of times you can't it's gone sorry sorry it um, sucks um but that's kind of going on back of what we're talking about here disney and a lot of these other companies are really taking over entertainment and uh kind of sucks for like other smaller companies like that they're getting eaten up and you're not getting now. I don't know how you know. The only way to access those films for me is to go out and buy 
them on the Criterion Collection for like two grand for the whole thing. So that sucks. I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. Uh, Now that that downer is out of the way. The live action Call of Duty movie may begin filming in 2019. Activision Blizzard is looking to take a hand-on approach in bringing their popular video game franchises to the big screen and are looking towards Call of Duty as a launching point for much more. There's this just never like a, works out. There, yeah, there's just a room of Can executives. we just say that this is never going to work out? There's a room of executives that have been around since Super Mario Brothers who are like, this, every time they're like, this is the one. This is the video game movie that's going to be good. Never, It never happens. They're all bad. Oh, man, this is silly. All right, so, okay, it says the popular first-person shooter franchise has been around since 2003 and has continued to pump out. It's only, wow, I thought it would have been earlier, but anyways, uh, and has continued to pump out new twists on the military setting. By taking inspiration from the many different Call of Duty titles, the studio is hoping to start a Marvel-esque franchise with the launch of the first film. I don't know. Okay, well, here we go. They did pick... Sicario, uh, Sicario's Day of the Soldado director, Stefano mm-hmm. Saima, to take the, the reins. Interesting. The only problem I have with them, with the idea of trying to do that, mm-hmm. is that, like, I, okay, I don't really play Call of Duty. I mean, obviously, I'm aware of it. Um, did they have, like, a, a long and well-known backstory of characters that goes all the way back to the 1960s and before to pull from that are beloved characters like Spider-Man and Thor and the Hulk. Right. You can't you, make you can't, can't just a, we, they're going to make they're going to make a movie and then expect that everybody's going to love those characters so much that they can make a whole cinematic universe out of it. Right. I love the idea of the uh the universal monsters being a thing. Yes. Of course they launch I don't this is something they need to learn. Okay? Tom Cruise is a franchise player for Mission Impossible and nothing fucking more. Stop it. Yep, not anymore. Nobody yeah. likes him. He's genuinely very disliked. Like I'm excited for the new trailer. I thought the trailer for the new movie looked good. I'll I'll watch that movie. Mm. But it, it, that's Mission Impossible. Right. It's it's a nostalgia kick. There's he's he was supposed to be Tony Stark. Could you imagine how fucking shitty the MCU would have been if it was him? And it took it took like the the producer and and like a lot of the people involved to go. He, that's not a good choice. You know what I mean? It, it, that's to be they had to be talked out of it. Yeah, it's it's silly. Stop trying to build shit around him because that could have been fucking awesome. Javier Bardem was set to be uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, right? was it Frankenstein? It was no, Frank- the werewolf. Yeah, it was I forget. One of those Frankenstein two. was actually in the Mummy movie. I can't remember no. who Doctor Frankenstein was in that, but it's a famous actor. Yeah. A whole cast of well, famous and if, people. Yeah, if you guys don't know, the Universal Monsters is refers to like the Boris Karloff Frankenstein, the Bela Lugosi Dracula, like the classic, you know, uh, mo- movie monsters. Yeah, Wolf they had Man, a whole Swamp thing, thing they were going to build out of this, and they had to pull the plug after just that one movie because it's so fucking bad yep. and it's mainly people didn't want to see it because his ass was in it period nobody yep. gives a shit and i mean they are you already have a far superior modern mummy movie starring brendan fraser and rachel wise which was so much fucking better also starring dwayne the rock johnson I mean, come you know on. Stop, why, with, stop with the video game yeah. movies, guys um 
So Sigourney Weaver is already working on Avatar 4 and 5. Whoa. Oh. Is that the, wait, you mean the James Cameron Avatar? Or the, the, this is bald, great. the bald child Avatar? <laughs> Um, no, the, the, you know, she was in the first. Yeah, the James Cameron, the blue alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, the upcoming Avatar sequels have gotten a new logo. This is my favorite thing. One that doesn't feature the dreadful papyrus font. Oh, thank God. There is a great, and we'll put it somewhere. We'll put it in the group. Yeah. We'll just share that. Um, I'll share this article to the group, and then I'll put the papyrus, uh, video from Sad Night Live with Brian, uh, Gosling. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. His digital shorts with SNL are the funniest things ever. But yeah, uh, so thank God. No papyrus. Uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to say about yeah. that part of the news. I have nothing to say um, about Avatar. Here's the thing. We got into a discussion in the group about anime films being turned into live action films. Mm. And, and sometimes being whitewashed. And if they're not whitewashed, they're usually done by terrible companies. Uh, you know, Netflix had... Right. Um, What's it called? The Death Note. Yeah. Which is not a very good thing. They there turn was, into like a love yeah. story. There's also a, a two Japanese films, uh, live action Death Note films, which are slightly better in the sense that like Ryuk looks amazing. The costume slash CGI, they know him, it looks amazing. Mm. But like if you've seen the series, you won't enjoy it. It's the right. same thing. It's just not as good because it's actors, not anime. So Exactly. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about, I think, I forget what came up like why even it became a, th- a discussion there's a certain show that oh uh, about. uh my hero academia yes 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 yeah um this is what i'm reading here attack on titan movie in development i don't know i'm not like an attack on titan fan i never could get into the series so like well here's the thing but i could foreseeably get into the movie because i don't care about the series here's the thing <laughs> i think what they should do is Hollywood instead of uh, Japan, whatever they have for their Hollywood. I think uh, Hollywood, American, like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they mm-hmm. do that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just cast all Japanese people to play Japanese characters and film it in Japan? Well, you could, but the one thing about Attack on Titan is most of the characters are European. And oh. that they all have European names, at least. Yeah. So I well, believe I mean, it takes. Pl- I, I again, I know like nothing about the show, but I'm pretty sure it takes place in like a vaguely European place. There's like blonde and brunette characters. Well, I remember so. the main character's name being like Jaeger or Jaeger or something like that. Yeah, there's a Jaeger. Yep. Um, no, that's what they call. That's what they're called. The the they're like the group of people who fly around and fight the tit- the the Titans. I think are called Jaegers. Yeah, yeah, yeah J, that's that's J A G R. Yep, that's yep. like, like the, those are the, those are the monsters, like like the things that fight the monsters in yeah. Pacific Rim. Yeah. I know what you're talking about, but no, there's a character named like Yeager. Oh, okay. Like, I no, no, yeah, it's, I think you're yeah. right. I think I was mixing Pacific Rim with Attack <laughs> on Titan. <laughs> um, so there's that, but the one that the reason why I got all excited though is that Leonardo DiCaprio wants to produce an Akira movie. Leonardo DiCaprio would probably work very closely with someone like Nolan. He has not done a bad movie in a very fucking long time. And if they get Japanese characters mm. to be played by Japanese people in this, and he could play a side character, a, anything, put him in there because he's uh, a fucking phenomenal if actor. They got, if they got a Otomo to work on it too, I'd be, I'd be yeah, okay with that. I don't know. I'm a little apprehensive about stuff like that because it, it's just Akira. It's yeah. amazing. It's like we've said before, it might be collectively 
you've said it might be your favorite film. It might be my favorite film too. Like not anime of all time. Yeah. Um, it's up there for me. Yeah. It's a piece of art. It's like, do I really want to see somebody do a digital version of the Mona Lisa? Not really. It's our, I just look at the regular one, like, you know, yeah. so I'd be interested in watching it, but I wouldn't be like tripping over myself to the, run to the theater to go see it, I guess. <laughs> um, so Venom crossed $500 million at the worldwide box office. Jesus. Why? Because it's bad good. I don't know. I think people went to see it because they thought it would be good. I'm just saying, I mentioned it in the last episode. I heard that it's the room of superhero movies. So people are enjoying it. They're going there and they're laughing at it. And it's not stupid enough to turn them away. But it's also action-y enough that they're staying around for the superhero parts. So, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I'm reserving judgment I, I until I'll, I see it. And I don't even know if I'm going to see it. But I've been intrigued just on that being thrown around on the internet that it's the yeah. room of superhero movies i'm like i gotta kind of check that out i feel like <laughs> yeah we'll give it a shot at some point <laughs> at least see what's going uh, maybe on maybe do yeah. uh the opposite of whatever puff piece is yeah we gotta start doing some quick shots yeah. where we talk about more current movies that are out we uh, should do let's go to the movies where we go to a movie movies. <laughs> um okay so this uh to reference one of our last episodes. I believe it was our very last episode. No, second to last episode. Uh, mm -hmm. Aliens. According to Sigourney Weaver, James Cameron was a fan of Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5 plans. Blomkamp's plans for the sequel ultimately fell through, but not due to any lack of support from the director of Aliens. If anything, Weaver and Cameron would still like to see Blomkamp's vision make it onto the big screen. Interesting. Um, maybe they could take it that direction from where it was yeah. left off. Why not, right? Yeah. I mean, these are the prequels. You can jump into sequels. I wish they could just all get along, man. I wish Ridley would just be like, I'll executive produce and, and you know, be an art or do art design or cinematography or something. Like, just work together, man. I, I, I liked Covenant, but I would have rather seen Sigourney in the movie in some capacity, so... My movie is the 1978 mystery and slasher film, Halloween. It is available on Amazon Prime Video and iTunes to rent for $3.99. And actually right now, it's on sale to buy from iTunes for $4.99. The one, the only, the classic Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town, 15 years ago. Michael? I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. 
exploring uncharted territory. It's totally charted. Just talk. <laughs> sure, sure. The only reason she babysits you to have Halloween. So Halloween was directed by the legend John Carpenter, and it starred Donald Pleasance, Jamie Lee Curtis, PJ Souls, Nancy Keys, and Nick Castle, and Tony Moran as Michael Myers or The Shape. So Russ, what did you think of this very famous awesome movie that I love? <laughs> I love all three of these movies, so if you ask yeah. me just what I think, I think they're great. Yeah, me too. Uh, Halloween is fucking dope. And by when I, all three, I don't mean... Halloween movies, I mean, the movies for yeah. this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mike Myers, Superhuman. Yep. Uh, if I haven't seen the new one. I have. Uh, but I am well aware of the biggest established arc in the fact that they are not brother and sister. No, they are they not. they do establish in like the sequel, I think. Yes, in, in Halloween 2, that was the big reveal near the end of the film. Yeah. It was very, uh, Luke, I am your father. Yeah. And I like Halloween too, but I never liked that part of it. I always, so. A lot of people, yeah. that's a huge no-no for a lot of people that they thought that was a stupid way to right. take the story. Well, this is like a ton, it's not even, I guess it's not even really a spoiler, a tiny spoiler because it happens really early on in, in the new Halloween. One of the characters like makes a line that's like dismissing that whole thing. Like someone was like, oh, wasn't, wasn't, uh, she talking about Lori, wasn't she his sister? And they're like, no, that's just, people make up crazy stories. Like, So like, they literally dismissed that completely yeah. in the line. I love Good. that. Okay. Yes, because I, like you, think that it should be how it was in the first film. Right. Um, just to address two things I didn't like. One, the sister that he kills in the beginning as a child. Okay. She is a um, topless Yep. character uh, who gets murdered and it's supposed to be very uh, you know oh my god a naked woman in a movie around uh, she's like 15 the character is either 15 16 or 17 yeah. I mean, underage the girl the actress wasn't no the actress is clearly an adult but the character is an underage girl I always thought that was, that would happen in the 80s a lot like camp thriller type right. things and stuff they're always underage but not when they're topless yeah I thought um, that was weird. A weird yeah, direction well, to show like, I could a see that. nudity for a 15-year-old girl in a movie. I actually have something I want to read real quick that's about that that I read mm. um, from critic Susan Stark from her actually her 1978 review of this film. Uh, in a single wonderfully fluid tracking shot, the camera establishes the quiet character of a suburban street, the sexual hanky-panky going on between a teenage couple and one of the staid-looking homes, the departure of the boyfriend, a hand in the kitchen door removing a butcher's knife, the view of the way upstairs from behind the eye slits of a Halloween mask, the murder of a half-nude young girl seated at her dressing table, the descent downstairs in whammo, the killer stands speechless on the lawn, holding the bloody knife, a small boy in a satin clown suit, as we know, blah, blah, blah. 
And I think that that's that the only reason I read all that, even though obviously all you guys know that that's how this movie starts, that's like not shocking to us because we know that was like a really shocking scene. Like, so everybody watching it thought that it was, you know, like the grown man that they were seeing in the trailers. Mm -hmm. And then that reveal that it's him as a little boy and it's a little boy who killed his older sister. Like, I think that the nudity in it makes it even more grotesque. And I think that's the choice. I understand. Yeah. Like, I don't think she was supposed to be 15. She's supposed to be a little bit older than that, but still she, I believe she was underage uh, in this, the context of the story. But I think that that works for the story because it's establishing just how fucking gone Myers has been since he was a little kid. Yeah. You know, could have easily been an adult babysitter instead of his. Yeah, yeah. Although it definitely has more effect as a sister. Right. But to be it, like, it's your, it's you know, she's nineteen. It's the. It also uh, the night. it also I mean? it establishes sense. what they talk about. We'll talk about in Scream. This whole idea of the rules, which really uh, came out of this movie, um, the fact that you know the women, the actresses that we see their their breasts in this movie, all of them get killed. We don't see Jamie Lee at all in, mm. in nudity, and she's the one who survives. Like that's really important to I think like what you know one of the subtexts of the film. I think Carpenter does a great job with that. Like in the thing, it was masculinity. In this one, it, I I don't want to go so far as to say it gets into like what we're talking about now with like the Me Too movement and stuff, but it's pretty you know, for lack of a better word, rapey the way that Michael Myers is, you know? Yeah. And, and the fact that he, even though he kills men, he preys on women. Mm -hmm. He kills men who are in the way for him to get to the women he wants to kill. And that's, you know, so the character is frightening, I think, because of that. And I do know a lot, I have a lot of female friends who really, really like this film and identify, I think, with Laurie in, in some capacity, at least, you know? And, uh, so I, re I really think that this film does did a lot more than just as, you know, for our horror films. Yeah. In, in the slasher genre or whatever. It also addresses that's a huge thing in serial killers in real life, too. Their need to feel dominant over a female. Right, right. It's like a thing. Totally. So he uh, has somewhat superhuman strength. Is, there, is that something that ever gets explained? Uh, no. And I've always wondered that myself because, like, you can kind of look at the different movies and see, I think, differences in how strong Michael is. Mm -hmm. Again, not to give too many spoilers about the new movie, um, but especially for you, because I know you haven't seen it, like you said. Uh, he doesn't, he takes way more punishment or more bullets, more, I should say, in um, this film than he does in the newest film. And in some of the films, he takes punishment that no. But he should take. survive. Yeah, falling out of windows, landing on his back, and standing right, right up, and shit like that. But this one, he the very opening, not the opening scene, but the very time, the very first time we see him as an adult, don't really see anything but his hand. He's on top of the uh, car. We were just watching the, the opening yep. over again. Yep. He's on top of the car in the psych ward, and he just palms the glass on the window and smashes it like it's yep. it, like the entire window is broken from just a looks like a little slap, mm -hmm. open hand slap. Nobody could do that right. shit. Yeah, he get and he get like I said, he gets shot like five times. I mean, he also he smashes through some other glass and gets injured. Yeah, and I've seen him shoulder his way through glass doors. Yeah, like exactly. not hard, just kind of walks exactly. through them. Um, I I mentioned when I first brought up the the nudity thing. Um, I had two 
issues with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being, like I said, the weird underage, whatever. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. Just cut this. Part oh, out. I I got something to throw in right here. Well, actually, there was another thing I want to throw in in regards to that. Well, just because there's. Already said I know, but it, it literally <laughs> falls right into the same thing, and it's not what I think you're about to say. There's another thing that's that fall before you say that. There's another thing that falls right into that. Um, there's a line where the 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 blonde friend and her boyfriend before they get killed, he may he says something about sleeping with the little girl that the the other friend is. He he says Lindsay. He's like sleep with Lindsay, who's the little girl that the other girl's babysitting. And that was another line. I was like, what? And it's like played off as like a dumb joke, but I was like. That's not a cool joke, John. Yeah, it's pervy and weird. Um, the second thing I didn't like about it, even though they, they address it, doesn't make any sense. It was really quick to fill a plot hole. Mike Myers can drive a car. He's been in a psych ward, and he can drive a fucking car. Yeah, and the, the guy even says that. And he they, drives it around really smoothly, too. He drives around like right. the whole... That's well, how he when, gets out uh, and escapes in the car. When... Yeah, when Donald Pleasance is walking out with the guy from the uh, institution or whatever, the guy's like, how do you learn to drive? Or And then Loomis is like, somebody must have taught him. Taught him how? Or or maybe he even says, like, "Did who taught him? Like, like you tell me sort of thing. And it was like, uh, okay, sure. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but there's a lot of that. Like, uh, in, in both these two movies I've just watched recently, the new one and obviously the original here, um... There's a lot of th- times where I just kind of chuckle to myself when you see like Mike Myers in one place, camera cuts away, cuts back to the same view, and now he's gone, and you just imagine him like shuffling around all the time, like running yeah. from place to place to get into all these like dramatic spots, <laughs> um, and and so I I don't know it, it's it's weird because I think that it's supposed to just embody like the the terror that he brings. Is he's it seems he seems unstoppable, yeah. You know him and, disappearing even seems like mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like superhuman, right? Like was he even ever there? You know, yeah. And uh, I think performance wise in this movie, um, Jamie Lee Curtis also really sells the terror. She did, and she was seventeen when this movie was made, and she did a fantastic job for a relatively unknown actress. Obviously the. She's the daughter of Tony Curtis and Janet Leigh. Janet Lee. But um You just said obviously. I don't know what the fuck those two people are. She's well, like they were, sixty years old now. They were very famous. They're both dead, I believe. But uh they were both very they were uh actors as well. So hmm. born into the business. Like I was talking to you off the pod actually. Um Janet Lee was the woman in Psycho who originated the um starring role in a horror movie getting killed in the first twenty minutes of the film. Right, yeah, yeah, you were telling me yep. that. Yep, yep. Um, so an interesting little connection to slasher movies that she had. And so, yeah, she does a fantastic job. I actually think all of the younger actors do really, really good. And there isn't a whole lot that Mike Myers has to do because of his amazing mask. Which, do you know the story behind his mask? I know it's William Shatner's yeah. mask. Yeah, they just, it was, found, they just found it. Yeah, they didn't have... That's why I called him the shape earlier. They didn't have... Uh, in the script, he didn't have like an idea exactly of who it was gonna, who he was gonna be, or what he was gonna look like, or anything. So they just called it the shape. And uh, later on, they found that mask, like you were saying, and then were like, 
that's kind of creepy. Threw on an auto mechanic jumpsuit and we're like, there you go. That's that's all you need. And uh, I think what's so scary about it is that it could it feels like it could fit in. Like there's a lot of scenes in different movies where someone sees him at night and doesn't realize it's not a person's skin, like doesn't notice the mask because of the darkness or whatever. Yeah. Um, and also it's something that you could see someone being creepy on Halloween, trying to scare people with like a weird costume, you know, so he can move around easily on Halloween. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Let's see. What was the last thing we were talking about plot wise, I guess? I don't know. So basically, the way this movie plays out is you have Michael stalking Laurie and her friends one by one, trying to kill each one, and then Loomis finally showing up to help her, saves her, and you think it's over, the day is saved, and Michael has disappeared and has gone off to come back in several more movies. Yep. Um. And I think that, like... It would have been better almost as a one shot because of that. Um, I'm glad I I really enjoyed not to get too much. I mean, we've talked a lot about it, but not to get too much into the 2018 film. I really enjoyed the 2018 film. I thought it was good. I've heard a lot of shit about it. I like that the trailer established. You know, this is not a spoiler because you can see it in the trailer. Yeah. They established that he, even though he kind of disappears at the end of the movie, in that night they find him and they arrest him and they bring him back to the psych ward. He gets tried and they yep. put him in the psych ward again. Exactly. And he's and, been there for 40 years. Right. And that would make sense. And then I also like how they worked in, you know, like Loomis into that plot. Mm -hmm. um, that's another interesting thing is that there was a character in the new movie who was actually called, whose last name was Loomis as well. Um, and I think actually the woman who played the friend with black curly hair, her stage name was actually Nancy Loomis. Huh. So I don't know why they use that that name comes up so much, but it does. Um, yeah. Also, some other cool things about this film, um, kind of, well, actually not about this film, but the actors in it. Donald Pleasance, who you may or may not know, was Ernest Blofeld for a time in the James Bond films um, and was sort of like a really, he was like the, the Harvey Keitel to this film's Reservoir Dogs. He was right. like the big star who got signed on to a movie no one believed in. Uh, made for relatively no money and made like $44 million box office in 1978. So yeah, did really good. There's actually some great audio you can find online of people uh, screaming in theaters. This movie terrified audiences. I could see that. Yeah. It was ahead of its time on that. Definitely. Definitely. Sort of. I mean, Psycho. Kind of. Yeah. But like this was a, a different element to it. Yeah, Psycho laid the groundwork, I think, for a lot of these movies, but... This uh, one's like masked killer stalking yep. teenagers. Yep. Boom. And as we'll see in the next movie, it literally created a genre, really, of the what we're talking about tonight, slasher films. It I think is pretty much considered the first real slasher film. You know, of you know, there's definitely films like Psycho is kind of like the granddaddy. Mm -hmm. Um and I actually would consider that a slasher film too. It's just you know, not not in the vein of like what you're just saying, um, which is ding ding. That was the, in the same vein to any of your listeners. I guess we say that all. One of, one of our listeners, my girlfriend actually said we say that a lot. So ding ding ding. There's the catchphrase. Oh shit! I wouldn't have not. I yeah, that's new for me <laughs> yeah. to even realize it's a thing. Uh, you haven't said trope once. Not yet. Yeah. You'll get there. <laughs>
Uh, do you want to get into group stuff? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's pull up some group stuff. You still spooked? I wasn't spooked. Lie. I wasn't. I saw somebody standing in Mr. Riddle's backyard. Probably Mr. Riddle. He's watching me. Mr. Riddle was watching you? Lori, Mr. Riddle is 87. He can still watch. It's probably all he can do. What's the pumpkin for? I brought it for Tommy. I figured carving a jack-o'-lantern would keep him occupied. I always said you'd make a fabulous Girl Scout. Thanks. And for that matter, I might as well be a Girl Scout myself tonight. I plan on making popcorn and watching Dr. Dementia. Six straight hours of horror movies. <laughs> Little Lindsay Wallace won't know what hit her. <laughs> So I came across uh, an older post when I was going through um, the group, and it's something we should have brought up before. Uh, and I also want to reference another thing from back when I was trying to get my original podcast off the ground called Alone at the Movies. Cat um, Moxie asked me back then if I could remake any foreign film, uh, what would I remake um, in an American mm -hmm. cinema? Uh, well, I would take the team that did Old Boy, okay, and I would remake I Saw the Devil, which stars Choi Min-sik, the guy who plays Old Boy in the original. Yeah. I think that would be solid <laughs> plan. I think that would be dope. Same team that did Old Boy, do I Saw the Devil, same writer, director, whatever, because that fucking remake, to me, was on par with the original. They're both magnificent for their own rights. Yeah, I've and never never saw the remake of it, just the original. Oh, you've never seen the old boy remake? Nope. I gotta put that in there. You know what it's gonna be? What? Here's what's gonna be. Uh we remakes. We will explain no. <laughs> we will explain uh at the end of the episode what next week's theme is. And you have a theme for the following week. So it'll be my pick again for the next theme. And my pick for three weeks from now is revenge. Dun dun dun. So I saw The Devil. The reason I'm bringing this up is because Patrick Parker posted a while ago, favorite revenge flick? This has to be mine. I really enjoyed Upgrade, which is a recent film, which is pretty crazy, and The Crow, because I was a 90s rock whore <laughs> growing up. It was one of my favorites. What's everyone else got? So there's a whole thread of revenge films on here uh, that Excellent. we can get into. So we already have somewhere to start. I know that John Wick is probably going to make its way into these. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what, what do you got from the group? You got anything for me? Uh, oh, I also wanted to mention, um, so this is kind of in movie news, I guess, too, a little bit, but uh, Brian Booten, I'm sorry if I just butchered your name, Brian, uh, he put up a trailer actually last week um, about a movie I'm also really anticipating because of these vague trailers they're putting up for it. It's called Overlord, and it looks like some sort of Nazi World War II horror-based movie with Nazis getting killed and shit, and, like, it looks so cool. It looks, like, badass and cool and, like, a good movie. I really hope it is. Yeah, uh, so before I say what I want to say about this, uh, insert the trailer right here. Ago, I was cutting grass in my front yard. 
the mailman shows up with a letter from the army. Now I'm here. No idea where I'm gonna end up. Welcome to France. What happened here? Some questions don't have good answers. There's a lot of soldiers out there, and there's only four of us. Find out what's inside that compound. My thoughts on Overlord. Uh, I remember hearing when this film started filming mm -hmm. that this was going to be a uh, possible spinoff of the Cloverfield series. With the Cloverfield thing that happened on Netflix, spoiler alert, because this yeah. is not something you expect us to talk about. Let me give you a second to skip ahead, maybe about a minute. In the Cloverfield Paradox, they established that there's something that happened that connected all the Cloverfield movies together, including the Clover, like 10 Cloverfield Lane and whatever, and that this was going to create all these wacky different universes and crazy things that happen and timelines getting interrupted. And this movie Overlord uh, is a Cloverfield project assumed. Hmm. Could not be. In, in the vein of, you know, there was a movie, I forget what it was called, but it had Ryan Reynolds in it. They're in space, Jake Gyllenhaal. People were like, oh, this is the Venom movie because Sony made it. When they're in space and the black right, right. symbiote-like thing attacks them. It turned out it wasn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, this is uh, Abrams, J.J. Abrams, mm -hmm. pro executive producer, I believe, on this. So, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he he's, building, it, wow. he's building a cinematic universe that actually would make sense. Like, crazy, wacky. Right. It could be horror. It could be sci-fi. Right, but it, and it's not just based on, like, one thing. It's not just, like, every movie's the, the monster from the first movie, you know? Yeah. I like that. He That's could literally cool. make, like, a Swamp Thing-type movie or a movie where vampires are... Yep. are in the medieval times right and parts of them could cross but they don't have to that's yep. cool yeah i'm really psyched for this movie the trailers look cool but they don't give you i let when a trailer doesn't give you enough information about what's happening in it i feel like they know they have something good that so they're not giving shit away they don't need to get you to go see the movie by like showing you the plot they just need to show you that this movie has a lot of fucking action and like yeah. blood and gore Right up top, so and, I'm down. And for those who are jumped forward to this part, I won't mention what we're talking about, but that goes in line with those other films. Right, right. Where the whole idea of uh, surprise, this is what the movie is. Surprise, right, this is exactly. what it looks like. You know what I mean? Exactly. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I don't really have a ton of other stuff. That you wanted to address? For group stuff, but I did want to just point out that, you know, guys, this podcast is coming out today on Halloween. We're not recording it on Halloween, but uh, yeah, so happy Halloween to everybody. And if you guys want us to do more stuff like this where we do, like, you know, films based, you know, based on stuff, times of year or like specific themes, like pitch some themes to us and we'll definitely think of them. Um, Cause you guys have been awesome in the group. So that's really all I wanted to say. You guys ever has a group have like brought new life to my Facebook experience. I so enjoy the yeah. conversations you have and with us and with each other. So I just wanted to give you guys a shout out again. Yeah. And if you're not in the group and you are somehow hearing this without being in the group, Join the group and uh, Halloween costume thread, please, for whatever you're wearing this year. Hell yeah. Your movie is the 1996 mystery slash slasher, Scream. It is available to rent on Amazon Prime and Vudu for $3, on YouTube and iTunes for $4, Google Play for $4, and is free if you have a Stars subscription. Wait, here comes another. Here, here. Don't you know the rules? What rules? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. He's big and he plays football and he'll kick the shit out of you! I'm scared. Shaking in my boots. His name wouldn't be Steve, would it? Have you noticed me? Turn on the patio lights. Again. I wouldn't do that if I Storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Then he dies right now. Which is it? Name the killer in Friday the 13th. Jason! 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 I'm sorry. That's the wrong answer. No, it's not. No, it's not. It was Jason. Afraid not? No way. Jason, I saw that movie 20 goddamn times! Then you should know Jason's mother, Mrs. Voorhees, was the original killer. Jason didn't show up until the sequel. I'm afraid that was a wrong answer. You kidding me. Lucky for you, there's a bonus round. But poor Steve, I'm afraid he's out. <laughs> I was waiting for you to breathe out. <laughs> All right. So Scream was written and directed by Wes Craven. Uh, it stars as a series Nev Campbell, David Arquette, uh, Courtney Cox, and a little bit Jamie Kennedy for a few films. Um, but in this, very big names like Drew Barrymore. Um, 
and Skeet. Skeet Ulrich. Ulrich. And Matt Lillard. Yep. Matt Lillard. Rose Matt McGowan. Lillard. Uh, all big names, but they are... The Fonz. As you will learn. Henry Winkler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A lot of big ones. Uh, but as you will learn, they either are the killers or they die. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read the synopsis real quick. For anybody who hasn't seen Scream, yeah. come on. Uh, Wes Craven reinvented and revitalized the slasher horror genre with this modern horror classic, which manages to be funny, which I agree with, Same. clever and scary, as a fright-masked knife maniac stalks high school students, see that's what I was talking about, in middle-class suburbia. Craven is happy to provide both tension and self-parody, again, I mentioned that, as the body count mounts. But the victims aren't always the ones you would expect. Dun, dun, dun. And that's because Drew Barrymore fucking dies in the yes. opening scene. They marketed this movie around her. Yep. Like she's like the star of this movie because mm-hmm. she was such a huge name at the time. Yep. They use, and they fucking kill her. They off. use quite a bit of her in the trailer. Yep. The one scene that she's in. And yeah. they make it seem like that's the whole movie. It's brilliantly done, actually. Uh, in the My Movies Better group on Facebook, join if you can. Uh, if you will, and uh, also on pretty much the entire internet, the verdict is that Jamie Lee Curtis is like the scream queen. Hell yeah. Uh, But my opinion was that Drew Barrymore in this film was the best victim in a horror movie ever, and that includes Jamie Lee's mom in American Psycho. She has one of the... Not American Psycho, just Psycho. (laughs) But yeah, she has one of the... the uh... She has one of the best deaths. The uh, her being like strung up and yeah. fucking disemboweled was pretty like and like hung. Her in the constant yard. like build of terror, like her boyfriend getting stabbed in the mm-hmm. back on the porch, and her building up like realizing this is not a joke, and starting to believe it more and more, and how she gets killed on the lawn trying to reach out yep. to her mom and hearing her over the phone. That whole thing, she was easily to me the best. She played the victim so perfectly. Yep. It was it was crazy. It was it was almost sketchy like how good she was it's really exactly what you just read this film does such a great job of going back and forth between those two things uh because it is like really funny and it's really referential Mm -hmm. um i made a list and i'm just gonna run down it like wicked fast right now these are all the fucking movies that they mentioned in this movie Mm -hmm. halloween friday the 13th friday the 14th let me try again halloween friday the 13th uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Candyman, The Howling, Prom Night, The Town That Hated Sundown, Evil Dead, Hellraiser, Terror Train, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Bad Seed, Silence of the Lambs, Trading Places, and of course Psycho, which actually they mention the line from Psycho, uh, we all go cra- a little crazy sometimes, which mm. is the famous Norman Bates line. Um, so yeah, this movie is definitely like not just Wes Craven wanting to make a slasher movie he's making like a love letter to the whole genre while also making a really scary movie like the the whole idea of what the killer is freaks me out and yeah. i still love it to this day because it, it's so obvious watching back now be like oh it has to be two people but the fact that he did a really good job of disguising that early on makes it seem like this person's like magic how can they be doing this and who the hell could they be because every person that it could be gets attacked by the killer so um so if you haven't seen the movie and you are listening to this podcast there's two things wrong with you yeah you haven't seen the movie 
and you know this is a spoiler podcast. Yeah, and you're listening so to this podcast. So <laughs> Billy, the boyfriend, and Stu are the killers. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Uh, my little brother, Stevie, his dad, my stepdad at the time, I watched this for the first time with uh, my mom and him mm-hmm. and my siblings. And it was the first time they had watched it. They rented it because everybody was talking about it. It was from Blockbuster because that's how we rolled back. Hell day. yeah. You idiots, millennials. Um, <laughs> so <You> Damn kids. <laughs> the scene where the uh, ghost face breaks into the room after Nev gave up her virginity, which you don't do in a horror movie. No. Uh, to Billy. Billy gets stabbed in the stomach, presumably, and falls to his ground, reaching out to Nev. Campbell, uh, whose name is uh, Sydney. Sydney. Hello, Sydney. Yeah. Um, when that scene happened, right as it happened, he turned around and he reached out to, to Sydney, and my mom goes, His shirt's not even cut. And then Steve was like, Oh my God, he's the killer. Mm-hmm. She goes, Yeah, but there's a guy that just pretended to kill him. He goes, Well, that's obviously fucking Stu. Yep. That was it. That yep. was, and, and I immediately was like, Oh, cool, cool. And it was. <laughs> I was well, like, are you kidding me? They figured that out right during that scene. There's another like interesting... twenty minutes or fifteen minutes before the, the reveal. <laughs> there's another interesting thing that they do actually in the movie. That's another little like trick giveaway. Did you mention Carrie on your list? On my list of what? Well, you just talked. You just gave us a list. Did you mention Carrie on that list? No. Oh, they meant. Yeah, I forgot. I they, yeah. There's another one, dude. <laughs> I was trying blood. to. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. Corn syrup. It's the same stuff they use yep. for blood. And they say the word. Pig's I think they say carry. They, they don't mention yeah, carry. Yeah. But so uh, in that scene where right after um, when when uh, Jamie Kennedy does the rules, which don't worry, guys, I have a segment for after this of just the rules part. It's my favorite part of this movie. Mm-hmm. When Jamie Kennedy does the rules, he says at the end, you know, uh, don't don't say you'll be back, and then Stu Matthew Lillard. He goes, oh, I'll be back, and leaves the room, right? I'll be right back. He leaves the room and doesn't come back until the scene where Jamie Kennedy's the only one still watching Halloween. And it's uh, he comes through the same doorway. And it's the scene where he's like, don't don't turn around. Or like, just turn around, just turn around. And it's like mimicking what's happening yeah, in real my life. My favorite thing is that the actor and actress being referenced in this are both named Jamie. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> he's Jamie yep. behind you. Exactly. Behind you, so Jamie. And, and literally the killer is coming up behind yep. Jamie Kennedy. It was great. But yeah, it's that old trick where they, if you have a masked person, a masked killer or something in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, if the person leaves and enters through the same door, it's usually an indication that it's them. So that was a little thing I noticed I thought was cool. Um, I love... This is like the only movie where I think, the only series really actually, especially this one where I think Jamie Kennedy is really, really good. Yeah. Um, You know, he's been in some god-awful movies, The Son of the Mask and Malibu's Most Wanted. Yeah. But in this movie, he really works. His, he's over, his over-the-topness really fits the character he's playing and, and everybody in it is so like caricaturized. Right. Um. Like, I mean, even the director throws himself in as a character caricature. You have Wes Craven playing a janitor named Freddy who's wearing the hat and sweater of, you know, Freddy Krueger. Um, and Which he made. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's so many little jokes like that. And, and as I obviously that list of movies I mentioned, so many references to so many different films. There's a my favorite one of my favorite lines is when. Uh, one of the, I think it's, I think it's actually uh, Rose McGowan 
says, uh, she says, oh, you're watching one of those West West Carpenter flicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yep. And so there's a lot of that, obviously. And this whole movie also is really, really heavily based on Halloween in a lot of ways. It has a parallels more than just them, like, pointing it out. Mm-hmm. Another one I'd like to point out, I don't know if any of you guys noticed this, uh, in both films, so in Halloween in the scene where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is telling the little, the two kids that they're the babysitting kids that to get out of the house, she says, go to the McKenzie's. There's a scene in scream where a character says, go to the McKenzie's same thing when they, you know, hide from the killer or get away from the killer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they really, he went deep, deep to try to put little, little things implant little tiny things. Um, I also mentioned, obviously there's a character named Loomis. Like there's little things here and there that are shout outs. And I think Wes Craven like really likes Halloween. (laughs) Like it felt like he made like a movie that was a specifically like, I loved Halloween and I want to make a movie that like says that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I ended up, I just had like a thought when I was watching with uh, my cousin. It was, um, wow, it's Ghostface Killer. He's Ghostface and he's a killer. And then I was like, I wonder if Ghostface Killer got his name from the Ghostface Killer. And he goes, no way. Ghostface is definitely way yeah. out, I mean, like, out longer than than the movie. I was like, are you sure? Because this movie came out in 96. Think about Wu-Tang. And then I, I Googled it, and his first official album came out the exact same year of this movie. But it turns out his first uh, song that he did as a single uh, was released before they even started filming this movie. Wow. So it's just a coincidence so that he weird. calls himself Ghostface Killer, I guess. Which I still haven't really deeply looked into. But well, I just thought I mean, that was fascinating. 1996 like was first first official release, and that movie came out. That's so crazy. And and it's I the whole thing is yeah, but did they ever actually call him Ghostface in this? And they did. We yeah. we, we listened for it. Eventually, they do they address him as like a Ghostface. I think at one point, I'm pretty sure Courtney Cox says the Ghostface Killer at yeah. one point. Like they even say, it. I know they say Ghostface, but I'm pretty sure they say like the whole thing. So I remember being like, oh. Because I definitely was thinking the same thing. I didn't go that deep into researching it, but that is crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if it is just a crazy coincidence, though, you know. Um, But just the fact they both, like, he he had his debut and the movie came out in the same year. Like, so crazy. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I haven't, it's all three of these I haven't seen in a really long time. Um, I love Halloween, and I mean, John Carpenter's, like, one of my favorite directors, but this one was, like, the one I was I most enjoyed watching again because it's been such a long time and I kind of forgot how good it was. Like I yeah. knew I had fond memories of it, but it was better even than that. I really, really like this movie a lot, and there's there's just so much to it. It's like genuinely scary, genuinely funny, and entertaining. I have something I want to point out that yeah. I it was just an observation, not something I looked into or anything. Um the victims and the killers and anybody that interacts with anything, when they get hurt, they bleed like an appropriate amount of blood and then the blood dries up through the phases of the movies and they sweat. Anything that's like dirt on their clothes stays yep. where it would. Like when they roll down the hill, David Arquette and Courtney Cox both still have the mud right, later right. on. But they are profusely sweating when they're running around from each other. That doesn't happen. Like there's killers chasing people uh in every movie before this that was like that and then you know even after the fact that all uh didn't they don't sweat 
Like they they sweat in the scene, but then like later they're not still covered in sweat. Like right. I know that's a weird detail, but they definitely paid extra attention because this was supposed to take it's supposed to be a parody, but the characters are parodying like the actual characters in the movie are attempting a parody at a horror movie. Yep. Like that's so it makes sense. So that that's the sketchy realism of it. So the idea that they are all actually sweaty and perfectly bloody and like you know what I mean it just it just comes off like there's the realism to to ground this that these are this is fucked up. Right. This is really fucked up what's right. happening. Right. These kids are obsessed with horror movies and wanted to become famous and look like heroes because they love horror movies. Yeah. It's fucking when it insane. also has like that whole I mean cuz there's also the whole revenge angle where he's like your mom fucked my dad and my mom left because of that that whole thing mm-hmm. like it also like it it it's like i was saying earlier where the movie like jumps back and forth like you're you're not uh you're not ever able to get comfortable in and he's using a different way of keeping you uncomfortable yeah. by making you laugh and and lowering your guard and then being like there, here's a girl who's disemboweled hanging in the front lawn. Like he really, he goes hard with the violence, mm-hmm. but not in a way that's like not that's like silly or unrealistic. Like every time the violence happens, it's realistic yeah. and it's frightening. But everything else is so over the top that it like creates just this such an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, and I I think it's brilliant. You know? I mean, the fact that Stu is allowing Billy to consistently stab him for the sake of the, the playing it up. Yep. But then still on the phone manages to make like, he's trying to be funny where they're like, did you really call the police? And she was like, fucking right. I did Stu. And he was like, my mom and dad are going to be so <laughs> mad at me. Yeah. Like it's, I don't know if the character was trying to be funny, but it definitely came off I, that way. Yeah. I think <laughs> like it was, the character yeah. was being funny, but also like he looked like he was really crying. I mean, I think it was, yeah, it was like, I mean, parody, the word he used earlier is perfect. I think, I think it was Wes Craven laughing at some of the stuff he had done. I mean, this is also, like you mentioned, this is the guy who made the, what I would consider the funny version of the slasher films in Nightmare on Elm Street. They were always like, like, it was like a precursor to what they did with Child's Play and Chucky, you know, having a, the wisecracking killer, you know, you had silent Michael Myers, you had pretty much silent Jason and now you have wise, the wisecracking Freddy. So I think it definitely is kind of him taking a shot at himself as being like the funny guy mm-hmm. who could also make a really scary movie. Where the guy running around the entire time is quiet. Grunts yep. and shit like that. Yep. So, yeah, that's, I think, basically all I got on screen. You got anything else to say about it? No. I do have one other thing I'll add, actually. It's just I want to thank Samantha Rowe. And she was the one who was like, hey, you guys should cover both Scream and Halloween. And that was a good idea because I didn't realize until I watched them how much they had in common and how referential they were. Well, yeah. Scream was to Halloween. so I threw Child's Play in there because I wanted it to get a little weird. Yeah, like, I we wanted some to. weirdness. Plus, that's growing up, that was what I was all about. I was about mostly Nightmare on Elm Street and Child's Play. I want to see Jamie Lee's breast. When do yes. we see Jamie yes. Lee's breast? Breast? Not until trading places in 83. 
Jamie Lee was always the virgin in horror movies. She never showed her tits until she went legit. Could afford a decent pair. <laughs> What'd you say? That's why she always outsmarted the killer in the big chase scene at the end. Only virgins can do that. Don't you know the rules? What rules? You don't... Jesus Christ, you don't know the rules? Uh, have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one, you can never have sex. Oh! No, no, no! Big no, no! Big no! Oh, I'm a dead man. Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. No, the sin factor. It's a sin, it's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Oh! You see, you push the laws and you end up dead. Okay, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. Uh, here is the trailer of the week, but it is brought to you by. Uh, one of our members, Derek Fay slash listeners, uh, has something called Dirt Pour Acrylics. He does uh, acrylic paintings with like pouring over stuff. It's really cool looking stuff. Um, he has an event uh, November 4th. He will be revealing some of his new artwork. It is uh, this Sunday, right, I believe, November 4th, um, from 4 to 8 at Bentwater Brewing Company in Lynn, Massachusetts. If yeah. you live around here, Bentwater's bomb fucking yeah, beer actually one of our uh listeners harry cornfield and group members he uh works there oh well there they go yeah. if they hear this they there it is uh you guys can talk to each other about movies while you're getting drunk and showing off your artwork uh so yeah figured i'd give you uh that shout out uh if you do not live in the area and you think oh i want to know what this is about you can follow him on instagram it's dirt underscore poor p-o-u-r because it's pouring you know underscore acrylics which if you were like me and wouldn't know how to spell that right off the bat it's a-c-r-y-l-i-c-s and also you could support him by going to etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash dirt poor acrylics shop anyways here's the trailer for i think we're alone now starring peter dinklage and al fanning told you you're kind of a weird guy. Yeah, but they're all dead now. I have 
to tell you something. It's about where I came from. So Sean Parker, Patrick Parker's mm-hmm. brother, not to be confused with Nick Parker or Matthew Parker, who are also brothers, the four Parkers. The four Parkers. Uh, Sean Parker says, okay, this is a nice rant. I think he might have been drunk when he wrote this, and it's great to, to think that that's a possibility, but probably not. Um, okay, guys, I have a caps lock vision. If any of you out there are like me, you cast a movie you're watching all the time. Okay, maybe not modern movies. Maybe I'm a special breed and say, who could pull off Made in Manhattan in the 60s? He puts in parentheses Marlon Brando and Rita Hayworth. Sounds awesome. Also, guys, Made in Manhattan is bad. So I'm watching The Shining tonight and I'm stuck. That wasn't my thought. He's This is all from his brain. So I'm watching The Shining tonight and I'm stuck. Jack is so good. Shelley Duvall. Whatever happened to Shelley Duvall? Hi, I'm Shelley yeah. Duvall. No, hello. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Well, let me just interject real quick. What happened to her? She ended up in Suburban Commando. That's what happened. That's to true. Her. That's oh. true. Which we have also yeah. talked about. <laughs> and Scatman Crothers. Who the hell casted Scatman Crothers? So I started thinking modern remake. He puts in caps lock again for some reason. But I always think modern remake in terms of fantasy football. Norman Reedus as Jack Torrance. Jessica Chastain as Winifred Torrance. Mahershala Ali as Dick Halloran. Anyways, enough. Remake a movie. Old, modern, or modern slash old. Pick an era and stick with it. Fantasy cast a movie. Oh, I've already got one, and it actually falls into something you said earlier when you said uh, Kat was saying about casting or remaking a A foreign foreign movie. Yeah, Yeah, I want to remake Akira Kurosawa's High and Low. I don't really know who I cast, and I haven't thought that far. But that would be the movie I would want to remake. So that's the foreign film I want to make and the remake I want to make. All I right. would love to remake that movie. <laughs> and hey, that's also a shout-out for I did a little short video of it. You can check on the group and on our page if you're into that. Check it out. It's a cool movie. Uh, yeah, I would say, because we already got my whole old boy thing, but if we're talking, this isn't foreign films. We're talking about like a classic anything, movie yeah. or... Uh, a, a movie made now being out back then and redone. Oh my god, could you imagine like an 80s campy version of Ex Machina? That'd be interesting. I would put in maybe, oh boy, Kurt Russell, yeah, for sure, yeah, as the guy who invents the uh, right, right. android. I would put uh, 
Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. What's his name? The great dude from, he's in Ghostbusters. Oh, um, 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 um oh my God. Oh my God, I'm going to fucking punch myself in the face. Too late. Rick, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis has the kid who comes yep. in and is going to study whether or not this uh, would work. If yeah, this and, is a real android. And, uh, and uh, what's her name there from Kill Bill, the chick with the eye patch? Because she was pretty big at that time as the robot. No, no. It's my recasting, first of all. <laughs> Jamie Lee saying, Curtis. Hey, I'm just throwing a cast Jamie Lee at Curtis you. As That'd the be sick. That'd be sick. I'd, I'd see that movie. I'd see that movie, whoever was casting. Like mid 80s. I just like this the idea of the movie. Imagine mid-80s. the soundtrack being done by oh, the guy who did Big Trouble in Little China. Oh my God. That would be such a good movie back then. <laughs> Uh, that would be and, awesome. And to, ref- to, to stem from that, uh, Escape from New York yeah, would be a solid remake, uh, which they probably are doing. So I'm not going to say that. I, I hope, definitely do I that. hope they don't. They hope they leave that film alone. I love that film so much. I uh, think that might be my favorite John Carpenter film of all time, of all of his movies. And it's like almost like a tie between Halloween, the thing that, and they live. I love those movies, all those movies so much, but that's what, that's really weird. You just said they live out loud. Cause they live was the movie I was going to say modern remake for hell. Yeah. Um, and starring John cast, Cena. No, fuck that. Uh, CM Punk. Oh shit. Phil Brooks. Yeah. I, I feel like cause he loves that movie. He'd probably do it. Yeah. He'd be down. I bet. Decent job. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, that would be that would be fun. I always like the the idea of toying around with remakes, or even just there was another thread we had where people were talking, or maybe this was the same thread. I thought I thought it was a different one where people were talking about like, then yeah, it was Samantha. She put a post that was um, if you could switch up like a director making a different film or yeah, like working together. One. Yeah, I'd love to see like uh, I'd love to see a movie that had Jackie Chan back in the day that was directed by John Woo, like Ooh. in the Hong Kong era. Before they they got real big in America, like that that's a movie I always wished had been made. That'd been solid. Yeah, that'd been really solid. Yeah. Um, uh, what did I say? Oh, there was another thread that's similar to these threads, yeah. and that was uh, change a movie with a plot twist. Mm. And I said, the Truman Show is Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> Yeah. Where Truman was dead the entire time. He was in purgatory the entire time, like in limbo from being alive <laughs> right. and dying. And him escaping through the door and saying whatever is him going into heaven. And uh, Homeboy up in the moon is God. And all these people, all these mm. actors trying to keep him on earth are his burdens and his uh, shadows and, and, and in the life that, that he, trying to keep him on earth while uh, the girl that he falls in love with on the water is the one trying to help him. That's an angel trying to get him. That's her, his guardian angel trying to get him to heaven. That's my plot twist. You got one for me? Uh, it, something along the lines of like uh, Happy Death Day 2 and Groundhog Day, or, or ha- Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2, I mean, and Groundhog Day are all in the same universe. <laughs> The crazy. same things happening. That'd be interesting. Or just maybe a film that ties them together in some way. Uh, but for Twitter, oh man, I've, Every Jurassic Park, but it turns out that it's all the Truman Show in a way, like kind of you said. But but they're using they're, animatronics uh, and all the people that get right, eaten are actors. It's because it's because whatever his name, the doctor guy has has gone crazy and that he threatened that little boy, but he actually you find out at the end he accidentally killed him with the raptor claw. So it's just like his like mad, you know, <laughs> his fever dream. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah, oh man, because a lot of them I think of, I just want to make something that would be make would like ruin the film, 
make it stupid. But I do think an interesting one, you could say like, uh, and this was something I think I read one time that this was something they actually toyed around with. A twist being that um, Darth Vader was just was just lying to Luke. I think they actually played around with that idea that it was good. they were going to find out that he wasn't actually his son in Jedi, and they were like, "No, that's stupid. Why would we do that?" Right. You know? um, um, I got two. I got yeah. two. <laughs> Kaiser Soze, Usual Suspects. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, of course. But when it was revealed that Mumble, spoiler alert, Mumble is Kaiser Soze. Mm. Uh, <laughs> What if, in that movie, uh, it turns out that Mumble is just rambling these to these detectives the entire time, and he's made up this entire story in his head, and there is no Kaiser Soze, and there was nobody <laughs> yeah. that died. They're like, we literally brought you in for a bank robbery like that, <laughs> and, and you were the bank robber, and we arrested you on site. He like, no, he like, it shows that famous scene where the detective's seeing all the stuff, and then he sees the coffee cup. It shows him looking at the wall, and literally just written somewhere is Kaiser Soze, and he's like, he never existed, <laughs> even though we brought him <laughs> in for in that. Brain. Um, another one that kind of falls in the same vein, I'll connect it in a sec here is actually scream mm-hmm. scream but the killer is dewey and that's what they did in scary movie and they made fun of that their parody was actually him walking away a la the end of usual suspects and getting in the car and taking off like his police uniform and turning into like a cool guy and i'm pretty sure it was the first scary movie um i, f- I forget much of that yeah but series. so, yeah, but I always thought that would be interesting if the whole time Dewey had been the killer because he's one of, I think, he's, I think, supposed to be a red herring because you're like, there's a couple scenes where he's really creepy, like randomly. Mm-hmm. And then just his stupidity and the fact that everybody makes fun of him and stuff, like it's, I think, supposed to lead you down that direction. Um, but yeah, so I would think that would have been interesting if the big twist in Scream was that it was the dumb deputy brother. So that's one of my another one for me. <laughs> I had a second one. I said two, but now I've you've gone so long, and I've I lost my train of thought Aww. in there somewhere too. Um, Vision may co-star in Scarlet Witch's Disney streaming series. What? Oh, so there's some news just randomly, by the way. Vision might co-star in the Scarlet Witch's Disney streaming series. Cool. Okay, I'm not mad at that. So that's the past again, or is he coming back? He's not dead oh he's not dead they're all in the stone yeah but also technically vision can't die because he can just be brought back he's a he's a computer program but all his thoughts that he's developed into and stuff like i think it's memories that'll be gone i'm pretty sure it's all backed up yeah that's how the character was at least he went off on his own he went off the grid no i know oh yeah i know that but i'm pretty sure that he could just download it (laughs) like if he wanted to is what i'm saying i don't think he could i think he's it's too it's not possible I think he's going to come back another way. Okay. Well, I'm down for that anyway. <laughs> Vision's always been one of my favorite Marvel characters ever since I played the game Hero Clicks. Did you ever play that game? Hero Clicks? Oh, I'll show you. I think I have some around. I'll show you them later. They're, uh, it was a, a sort of like Warhammer style game where you'd, you had like a playmat with like, you know, buildings and stuff on it. And there was little guys, you know, that were different superheroes. And when they took damage, you'd click their base, and they'd get their stats would reduce and change because of it. Ugh. It was wicked fucking fun. But yeah, so hero clicks. I think they still exist too. Some someone's still buying them, but nerds. Anyway, 
Uh, so now that we've discussed stuff in the group and the news is out of the way, um, why don't we get to that verdict? So the verdict for me this week, I'm going to keep doing it the way we've been doing it. Number two, the second movie for me was Scream. Okay. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's fantastic. The third movie was Child's Play. Number one's Halloween. Let me just get it out of the way. Halloween is maybe the best slasher movie of all time. It's one of my favorites of John Carpenter's movies in general. It's one of my favorite movies in general. Um, it's the only movie that I watch every Halloween. Scream, I also love dearly. I think it's great. I just think that it's too referential to Halloween for me to make it, to vote it better. And also, I just don't quite think it's better. I think it's one of the best movies of the 90s, though. Um, and is definitely real close. And Child's Play... I super enjoy and is just up against competition that is too much for it this week. And that's the only reason I'm putting it third, really, because yeah. I really like it too. So I'd say like Child's Play, probably 80 to 85, uh, Scream 95, and Halloween 97. Just barely over, but one almost a perfect film to me. Okay, so uh, I have the exact same order. Like I know that I nominated Child's Play. Um, but the reason I nominated it was because my like three favorite horror movies, probably from, you know, uh, iconic movie roles, I would say would probably be Halloween, not as number one, probably as number three, uh, child's play. I'd probably put above it. And above that I would put Nightmare on Elm Street, but from like a actual, like looking at them now and right. then knowing the history of all of it. Like, Halloween's definitely the best movie of those three, but those are the three I loved. And Nightmare on Elm Street doesn't count. You, someone tried to say it counted, and I was like, no, this is like, this is other horror. This yeah. is like going into your dreams. Because he has claws for hands doesn't make it a slasher film. I don't know. I I can see the argument on both sides, but yeah, I'm going to give it to you. I wouldn't consider it slasher. I consider it monster. Yeah, it's definitely, he's more of a monster. Like, I can see Chucky even yeah. trying to be thrown into that. But Chucky was very much like, here I am, I'm going to stab everybody. But Chucky was still technically alive. Yeah, it was That's a living thing walking yeah. around and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I would say Halloween is definitely the best of these three movies. I would say Scream is second best and Child's Play is third. Nice. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. So I take home a win for my one time of the year where I allow myself to pick a movie that we've already seen, you've already seen. Uh, yeah, so that's the verdict. Halloween is the winner. Ding, ding, ding. So for our Halloween episode mm -hmm. for, <laughs> for uh, slasher films, Halloween is the winner on Halloween. Yeah. I think it's that's... The, the first one, the way it should be, <laughs> yep. I guess. But yeah, so uh, right now for your pleasure, I'm going to throw in a little thing I made up. Hello? 
who's there? What about the jack-o'-lantern? After the movie. Oh, is this one of your cheap tricks? What about the rest of my comic books? After the jack-o'-lantern. Guess not. What about the boogeyman? No There's no such thing. Not. Richie said he was coming after me tonight. You believe everything Richie tells you? No. Tommy, Halloween night, it's when people play tricks on each other. Hey! It's all make-believe. I think Richie was just trying to scare you. Hey, Bobby, you get your ass Man, I saw him outside. Nothing's going on except kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high. I have the feeling that you're way off on this. You have the wrong feeling. There was nobody outside. There was. What do you look like? The boogeyman. You're not doing very much to prove me wrong. We're not getting anywhere. All right. The boogeyman can only come out on Halloween night, right? He is. Sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall. Looking past the wall, looking at this night in humanly patient. Right. While I'm here tonight, I'm not about to let anything happen to you. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it. Promise? Promise. Can we make the jack-o'-lantern now? So before we go, I uh, just want to remind you that there's a few ways to support the podcast. Uh, you can follow us or subscribe, whatever have you, to uh, Facebook at My Movies Better. Like that page. Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Snapchat. All of those are at My Movies Better. When you're on the Facebook page, make sure you join the group. That's where you know a lot of stuff happens that you know revolves around the group. You'll have some input. You hear us name dropping a lot of people. A lot of these people are only being name dropped because they're in the group and didn't know that we were, you know, equally fanatics right. of films with these people. Um, I would also say, uh, like, we want to in- increase the quality of our studio here, like, build a, a little bit of a studio, uh, get new mics, stuff like that. So we will have a Patreon up for you finally this week. We just have to sit down and come up with ideas right. for what to give you, you know, like, what is your incentive? Uh, but in the meantime, if you just want to throw us anything, even if it's just a couple cups of coffee, uh, you can go to paypal.me forward slash mymoviesbetter. Um, but the absolute best and biggest thing you could do for us, like we've said a bunch of times, listen, rate, review, subscribe on everything, uh, but especially on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Uh, if you do it on anything else, it's great. Make sure you download. It's a huge help. But Apple Podcasts will put us on the map. If you can do that, we'd love it. And uh, as always, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. Um, And make sure you tune in next week when we talk about time travel. Time travelers. Time travelers? No, it's called time travel. Oh, okay. Correct me. Yeah, one sec. It's my theme. Let me just... just Do your gimmick. Leap through time real quick. (laughs) Time travel. That's not how you say it. Oh, I'm sorry. Do your thing. Do your gimmick. Do your your trope. Time travel. See you next week. In the year 105, 105, if man is still alive, if robot can survive, they may fall. In the year 25, 25, 25, the backwards time machine.
machines still won't have arrived in all the world there's only one technology a rusty sword for practicing proctology oh. in a future year that ends with a 20 a schlubby merman's gonna try to get shummy he may look like a watery wind when in fact he's a bloodthirsty shrimp in the year one